Can I ask you, if you've got a Bible with you, to turn with me to 2 Corinthians and chapter 4. 2 Corinthians and chapter 4. And um, I'm also going to get a little glass of water. The double tree like to keep it toasty. You notice that? It's quite nice in the, in the winter. But, uh, um. 2 Corinthians and chapter 4. I'm going to read some words from here. I'm going to read the first seven verses. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And Lord Jesus, I say thank you firstly for shining light into our hearts that we would see you and know you. The greatest good, Lord, the glory that is found in your face, Jesus. And I want to pray right now, Lord, that you would illuminate this time, Lord, you would thin the spiritual atmosphere you would anoint my words lord you would do what i cannot do and shine light into all of our hearts lord that this isn't just a vision about what we think we can be in london but this is your vision birthed by the holy spirit for what you are calling us to be i pray that in your wonderful name jesus amen one of the things that is going on in our culture today and i don't know if you've noticed is there's a sense in which Big realities are continually being shrunk. We notice that what is grand and beautiful and epic and cosmic sometimes, these kind of realities are being shrunk and shrunk and shrunk. So that what we seem to be living with as a culture right now seems to be getting increasingly trivial. So we have a God who created the heavens and the earth with omnipotent power. He just spoke a universe into being and sustains us right now. And yet it has been boiled down to just a chance encounter with some atoms and physical realities that now by chance we live. And at some point we disappear. Even things like relationships that are meant to be places and environments where unconditional love is shown to one another, where the, the love of God is felt and experienced in the love of one another. Relationships now are basically boiled down to how can my lust be fulfilled? And if they're not fulfilled here, where can I go to find them fulfilled? Marriage, which is meant to be a covenant relationship of unconditional love to display the glory of God, a huge living, breathing parable to the goodness of God is now just basically a relationship where you can get tax breaks 
And if you don't want to be there, there's a civil partnership or there's another kind of relationship for you that you can be a part of. Continually, what is great and beautiful and spiritual gets brought down to just the smallest of trivial things. Who we are, human beings, men and women, dignified with salt, breathed in uh, breath by the, the breath of God. So often we are just boiled down to how good do you look? I went to the gym on Wednesday and it was a mistake really, but you know they got these TVs and uh, I mean five minutes into being on that bike I realised it definitely was a mistake. New year, new me and all that stuff, it doesn't feel good. But anyway, these TVs were there and there was this whole thing on like these, this underwear that contours your body. Some of you know about this, I'm sure. And, uh, they were feeling, there was this whole piece on this celebrity who was on a catwalk and they were just saying how sorry they felt because they, she wasn't wearing the, the underwear right. I was like, oh my goodness. Like, this is what we are now reduced to. Like, this is our morning TV, which I don't think I'll be watching again in a hurry, to be honest. This is who we are. No, no. No, no, no souls, like who you are, your eternal destiny. It's like, no, like, how, how do these pants make your thighs look? That's basically like what we're boiled down to. And that's what, and social media plays into this, doesn't it? Social media makes what happens at the weekend and how you look and how crazy popular you are makes it feel like that's the most important thing. You spend 10 minutes on Instagram and it feels like the most pressing thing is to look super hot and super popular and have loads going on at the weekend. Like, I've got to be in Barcelona if I'm going to really, like, be happy this weekend. That feels like what it... And huge realities get boiled down. And I think we're, we have this propensity to this, because even in church, we have this propensity, I think, to take what is cosmic about what is happening right now and just boil it down. So we are worshipping the infinite and omnipotent God who sustains us right now. And too often in our minds, it can get reduced to we're singing songs for 20 minutes before we do the next thing. We're getting through a set list. We're praying to a God who loves to answer prayer. So we looked at last week, who loves when those who are in Christ Jesus asking for things, says, okay, let's get it done. And yet sometimes you boil it down to just, I've got some things I want, God, for this week. Preaching of the word. This, this is God's word. Paul says that here. God's word. When we read these words, God speaks. And yet too often we take it down to like, it's a talk from a book that I'm going to critique over lunch. We boil it down and we boil it down. Fellowship with God's people, the bride of Christ here on earth, the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit where God wants to display his wisdom. And sometimes it gets reduced to a moment in our diary that we will get there if we can, if it doesn't inconvenience ourselves with other things that we'd rather be doing. And yet God says, I'm going to dwell here by my Holy Spirit. This is where I live, in my holy temple now. And it can happen with the gospel. And this is why I want to read this passage, because I think in this passage here, Paul is wanting to expand our thinking back again. He wants to take our reduced thinking about things from the nuts and bolts, the skeleton of what this might be as Trinity Church London. And he wants to take a step back and expand our thinking and expand our thinking and expand to show the weight and the glory and the cosmic scale of what we are involved with right now in 2019. This is not just launching another meeting. 
God has cosmic purposes in bringing about Trinity Church London that we are to be involved with. So he talks about the, the ministry, not just being on a rota. This is a ministry. He talks about the mercy of God. He talks about God's word, not just a talk. I will never talk about this as being a talk. I don't like that language. A message, a sermon, a word from God. This is not just a TED thing, 20 minutes and then I'll think about it later. This is God's word as we unpack this Bible. Truth. We would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience. We're not involved in people's swaying opinions about what is right or wrong. We are appealing to the conscience of humanity as a church plant. The gospel, good news, availing, he talks about perishing. This involves people's eternal destiny. Paul is concerned that those who would come into contact with us would receive a salvation because there is a life after this life and there is a possible perishing. And he talks about glory, which we're going to look at in just a moment. And this glory is so grand that in Romans 8.18, Paul can say that all the suffering of this world, all the pain and the loneliness and the distress and all the heartache that all of us would go through, none of this, if you added it all together and put it on scales, would be heavier than the glory that is to come in the heavenly realm. The glory of God is greater. You, If you saw this glory, you would walk through all the pain and suffering that would ever be found in this earth. And you, if you were to find the glory of God at the end of that suffering, you would say it's worth it. And that's contained in this passage. And this glory is contained in this church plant. And so he speaks about God, this infinite being. And I want to unpack it. Because Paul defines the gospel in verse 4 as this. He says, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel... Of the glory of Christ. The light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. And if you drop down to the end, the second part of verse 6, we read this again. The light, defining the gospel, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is his definition of the good news. So you have this light that comes together. We charged our young disciples amongst us. You're the light of the world. There is light that's found in the gospel and knowledge. He puts these two words together. There's gospel and knowledge. So the gospel contains, there's historical events that you need to know. And then there's the glory of Christ and the glory of God. So if you want to know the glory of God, you need to know the glory of Christ. You need to look at the person of Jesus, who is the image of God. And in doing that, you can see the face of Jesus Christ, who is God. It's amazing. In the gospel, you can see the face of God. These are epic realities. In the good news, the gospel just means good news. We should be happy, joyful people, you know that. In the good news, there's a lot of good news. You get your sins forgiven. God takes your sin from you, all of your wrongdoing, and he takes it from you in Jesus. And he says, I'm going to put this in the West and you're going to stay in the East. And if you've ever been in the West and tried to get to the East, it's quite a hard thing to do. Even if you want to chase after your sin, I'd like to get it back. You can't because every time you get to the East, you find that the West is over there. Does that make sense? I don't know if it makes sense in my brain. But the East is from the West 
you can never touch the two. And God says, I'm going to take your sin. I'm going to place it over there where you can never touch it and it will never touch you. Very good. There is no condemnation because of the gospel. But I stand here, and with all my sin and my failure, there is no condemnation from God. The one opinion that matters, God himself, the one who will judge me, he looks on me and smiles with favour. I don't, I don't wrestle with condemnation at night. I don't worry, because the one person who will judge me, he loves me and he loves me and he loves me and he loves me. There is a washing away of shame. And you can come to Jesus and that sense sometimes of just grubbiness, tiredness, who am I? He can wash that away so that you can feel pristine inside, utterly pure. That is contained. That is the good of the good news. And yet for Paul, all of this goodness is not the ultimate thing. Actually, all of these things are there so that they may get us to the ultimate thing. And for Paul, the ultimate thing of the gospel is that you and I would see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That all of these things are allowing us to stand in the presence of God himself, to look with unveiled faces, with spiritual eyes in our hearts and see this magnificent glory. That is the greatest good of the gospel. And Paul is wanting to take, help us take a step back so that we see this, so that we know what salvation is and what perishing would look like. It is to see the glory of God and to perish is for us not to see the glory of God. This is the greatest good in the gospel. And this is what he's outlining for us. And saying, this is what I'm praying that you will see. We see it in the, the face of Jesus. We see it in his very presence. For glory is just the, the outshining of the infinite perfections of God. If you see beautiful people, there's an attractiveness about them, isn't there? There's a sense of you're drawn to them. And yet in God, we have infinite beauty and perfection that shines forth from him. And we are allowed to look at this infinite beauty and perfection in his glory and know him intimately and perfectly. I was just reading in my quiet time, noisy time, whatever you want to call it this morning, <laughs> Psalm 80. And it was a prayer. And it prays this prayer three times. Let your face shine upon me that I may be saved. Lord, would your face shine upon me? Lord, would you smile over my life? Would there be a beaming glory from your face over my life? And in that love, I would be saved. This is what it means to be a Christian, to see the glory of Jesus Christ. And we see his glory in his life as he walks and talks and ministers. We see the glory of Christ as he teaches with authority and people leave his sermon and they wonder, where did he get his spiritual authority from? He's not quoting anyone else. He just speaks from within himself. And we see his glory as he walks through a crowd and he stops for the one and he speaks with her and heals her. Someone who would never help his social status amongst the religious leaders. He says, I'm going to pay attention to you. <coughs> he prays during the night and we see his glory. He is fierce enough to walk into a crowded temple and deliberately face up to religious leaders and physically overturn tables in a market square because they were taking the worshipper's father and making money out of it for their own gain. And in that we see his glory. And we see the glory of Christ ultimately and amazingly in his own death. The death of Christ isn't 
an accidental thing. And there's a kind of sometimes a thing that goes around like, well, maybe if Jesus had sat down with the religious leaders of the day and had a proper chat, they would have like realised that there wasn't actually too much of a difference between them and they could have worked it out and the death of Jesus may, might have been an unfortunate thing that could have been avoided if they just communicated a bit more. And yet for Jesus, we're told in Luke 9.52, he deliberately set his face towards Jerusalem to die on a cross for us. And he prays in the moments before he is going to Jerusalem, these words in John 12, he says, now is my soul troubled and what shall I say? He says, shall I say, Father, save me from this hour? He says, but for this purpose, I have come to this hour. And then he prays, Father, glorify your name. Because Jesus knows for the glory of God to be known in this world, it is to be known ultimately through the death of Jesus Christ. And when we gaze upon the cross, we see the glory of God. We see the glory of his love. We see the glory of his humility in serving us. We see the glory of his saving power being exercised for us in sacrificing his life so that we may be made alive to God in his own life. We have all of this glory displayed to us in his death. And the question today I want to ask is, do you see it? I have to confess there was... Quite some time, I never saw it. And you might be there, sitting where you are, looking at me, thinking, why, why is this like, getting a bit passionate? And I was like you, because I spent most of my teenage life wondering why the preacher got worked up on a Sunday morning. <laughs> I went to a local Baptist church in Ealing, where I grew up, and uh, I, basically I was bored with church. I'd been there since day dot as a Christian, and uh, my parents took me to church. I went and I did all the Sunday school. I got taught about the disciples. I got about you know, Jesus carrying a lamb on his neck and all of these things. And it all seemed quite nice to me. So I, I knew quite a lot about Jesus. If you ask me, like, let's do a quiz, I could answer quite a few questions about who this Jesus was. And yet I remember in this Baptist church, there were these pews, you know, the old-fashioned pews, wooden heavy things, which were ideal for sleeping on. So I would stand during the singing because I felt it was like just a tattoo room to like sleep during the singing. So I would stand during the singing and look around and you know, there'd be the old person with their hands in the air, you know, just those people. And I, I would call those the cheesy Christians because like I had no idea why on earth they were putting their hands in the air in this room, who they were doing it for, why they were doing it. I was utterly bored out of my mind. And then we'd sit down and the preacher would start preaching. And at that point, when he did his prayer, I'd fold my arms and I'd put it on the pew in front of me and have a half an hour snooze. And I would, when the amens and things, people were standing and rustling, I'd like, yeah, I've got to wake up, okay. Stand up and keep going. Because I had no idea why this preacher, who seemed to be very animated about the things he was talking about Jesus, was so animated. It was dull to me. Jonathan Edwards who's a theologian, an American theologian, Christian, he says this, there is a difference between having an opinion that God is holy and gracious and having a sense of the loveliness and beauty of that holiness and grace. There is a difference between having a rational judgment that honey is sweet and having a sense and tasting its sweetness. When the heart has, is sensible of the beauty and amiableness, <coughs> he's dead now, wrote a long time ago, so like, attractiveness of a thing it necessarily feels pleasure in the apprehension which is a far different thing from having an opinion of it only at that stage i had a i had a head knowledge about jesus and he left me 
bought. It was only when David Chawner, the pastor, challenged me, he said, you've got to read the Bible for yourself. You have to look at Jesus for yourself. That I began to read this life of Jesus, and suddenly I realized that I was tasting sweet, sweet honey. And in the watching of Jesus Christ, my eyes were slowly opened to apprehend his glory. And this weird thing happened that as I began to read the scriptures, I got more and more and more interested that I couldn't get enough of this Jesus and I wanted to know more. And so as the pastor was preaching on a Sunday morning, I would stop going to sleep and I would start listening. And then the weirdest thing happened. I had this huge kick inside me that wanted to do the very same thing. And everything that I was reading about in the Bible, I wanted to tell people about Jesus as well, like the pastor. And so I had this crazy six-month like change and repentance moments in my life where everything got turned upside down from being utterly bored in church. I suddenly felt the only thing that I ever wanted to do was tell people about the Jesus in this book because I had seen his glory. And this glory is the thing that has compelled me for the last 20 years, ever since that moment. Through the ups and downs and the uncertainties of life is the glory that has made me hunger and thirst after God. And you need to know this, it's the glory of God that ultimately has led me to this place. I'm surprised I'm here. Some of you are surprised you're here. We've left friends and family, secure places where we've been. It is the glory of God that has led me here to this place. That I pray and long for the glory of God to be known across this great city. Don't you long for that? Habakkuk 2.14 says, One day... In an age to come that the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Just imagine that. Glory everywhere. And we're living in an age, aren't we, of darkness. There's not light. There's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of loneliness, anxiety, depression. There are a lot of things that would cause darkness in hearts. And we have a role as a church to display the light of the gospel, of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, who is the image of God. We can pierce this darkness with the message, the gospel that we have. Amen. Isaiah 9 says this, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light and those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Some of you might feel like you're walking in a slight darkness at the moment. There is light that can pierce your life. In the gospel of Jesus Christ as you behold the glory of God. And I want to charge us with two things at the beginning of 2019. The first is for us as Trinity Church London to proclaim the glory of Jesus Christ who is the image of God. This is what Paul says in these first few verses. Therefore having this ministry by the mercy of God we do not lose heart but we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways And we refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And then he says in verse five, for what we proclaim. And that isn't just what I'm doing right now. That's conversations. That's questions. That's friendship. That's over coffee. That's over lunch. That's on your way home on the train. For what we proclaim is Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants, London, for Jesus sake. So there is a proclaiming that we need to do from this word that is unashamed about what's condemned here. Paul felt a pressure in the city of Corinth to slightly change what the Bible said. 
There is a pressure on us to say things that might not be in the Bible. And there's a pressure to not say some things that are in the Bible. And yet Paul says, if we're going to display the full contours of the glory of God, it is going to be through the proclamation of everything that is contained in this book. Because God is glorified through everything here contained within. So we're going to be proclaimers this year. And there are lots of ways we can do this. And I want to share five. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I've got to be a GCSE as well, Matt. So I might do six. Maybe that means I'm going to do six. Firstly, this year, 2019, we're going to run our first ever Alpha course. Can I get a whoop? Yes. Yes. We're going to run an Alpha course. We don't know where or when, but we're going to create an environment where we can invite our friends to hear a short talk about Jesus and discuss the claims of the Bible. And we're praying that God would use this mightily for his purposes. Secondly, Mike is going to be leading some street work in flyering homes and then talking to people on the streets and asking if we can pray for people this year. Can I get a whoop? Sorry. I've got a word. Let's go now. Okay, we've got a word. Steph, Michael. Yeah, whilst I was playing the drums, <laughs> sorry, Darren. Should have been concentrating on where he was taking us. These thoughts started to just bombard me. And this is a very special year for my wife and myself this year. It's their 40th wedding anniversary. So these thoughts started to come into my mind that we're in a process now of planning where are we going to visit this year? Where are we going to visit? Where are we going to go? And over the, over the New Year period, Jane's sister has been given a wonderful gift by a friend of going on a three-month cruise. And we sat down with her over the New Year period, sitting with her, looking and planning all the places around the world she's about to visit. And I should have been concentrating on playing the drums, but these thoughts just kept bombarding my head. And whilst Danny's been preaching, I've been sitting there and I just felt the Lord say to me, say to Trinity, that the Trinity is planning to visit this church and this city in 2019. God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are planning a visit here. And as I thought about what Jane and I are doing, and what Jane's sister is doing is that for us it's going to be a visit of celebration for Jane and I. And for Jane's sister it's a, it's a visit of generosity that this friend is paying for her, £8,000. And I feel the Lord said this, tell everyone that we are planning a visit of celebration and generosity. And I don't know if you've ever been on the cruise, but the food that they dish up is like a banquet every single day and he said you are going to take onto the streets of Victoria and Westminster an invitation to come to a banquet because it's going to be an invitation to come and feast to come and celebrate to come and eat and to come and sup on the word of God and with the people of God for God is going to get us out there and we're going to be going out next Sunday morning before the meeting for those who want to come. And we're going to be inviting the people to come off the street. It could be anybody. 
to come to be part of a celebration and to become to be part of a banquet. For the Lord is planning to visit Excellent. Trinity and London Amen. this year. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Lord, did you do that? Lord, send a revival power. Um, we're going to be baptizing Joel on Easter Day as well. Here's Joel. Yes, Joel. Easter Day baptisms. And we're going to fly all of Pimlico. We're going to invite people. It's going to be a great celebration. And um, yeah, so put that in your diaries, Easter Day. Fourthly, can we show some photos? We're going to get involved in Burundi. So I'm going to invite Donna up just for a moment. Round of applause for Donna. Yeah, this, this is Donna dancing. Okay. We'd love to see more of this dancing, Donna. You have to come to Burundi to see that. Do, do, you, do you want to just explain this photo? Um, yeah, we had... Uh, this is our Chirama community that have been um, oppressed and displaced for many, many years. They're extremely poor. And um, we had just gathered them um, that morning secretly because we're not allowed to gather people. And we'd had to actually deal with some really difficult um, stuff that was going on in the um, in the community. And I was speaking on the on the holiness of God and and um, shared the gospel. And 30 people responded to salvation. We've never seen anything like it. It was just absolutely um, incredible. And it had been just a real. Um, there was such a sense of the presence of God there um, that morning, even though it felt like what we were doing was quite heavy. Um, there's two Muslims. Um, among those people there and um, they're serious they've been um, meeting ever since and, and being followed up and things so God's on the move yeah that's right stay here for a moment we're, we're, we're going to be getting involved in the work here in Burundi not all of us are going to go some of us will go um, but Donna has started a charity called for, called Hope for Tomorrow Global and um, and uh, Donna at the moment is single-handedly almost Travelling to Burundi for six months of the year, leading works, helping establish businesses, bringing people out of poverty, helping plant two churches out there, raising up a team, as well as running a charity from the UK end with all the administration and finances, etc. that goes with that. And this year, we are going to be partnering with Donna to strengthen her administrative base here in London so that we can release Donna more and more so that the gospel can be proclaimed in Burundi to the poorest of the poor. So we're going to be praying and looking, and I'm asking you even now to consider whether you can help and serve with this work um, in answering emails and helping with finance and administration. And in any way, we're going to gather around Donna to multiply the work there in Burundi. So we're serving here in London, and we're sharing the gospel in Burundi through our reach. Is that all right? Amen. So we pray for you, Donna. We're going to ask God for great things in Burundi. Amen. Wonderful. Um, and fifthly, um, I'm praying that all of us become bold proclaimers of this gospel. This is not just a program thing. As a team, the Beachhead team, we shared some of our passions for the church and Joel, actually, Joel who shared this passion that we would be bold in a culture that would like to just squash the church. Be bold in just proclaiming who God is, all of us. And it so resonated with me that all of us would be filled with the Spirit, not to force something, but just to naturally speak about Jesus with all that we meet. Wouldn't that be amazing? 
There's this moment in Acts 5 where the disciples get arrested and then they get released because they keep preaching about this Jesus. And uh, the religious leaders at the time, they don't like it because this rumor of this rabbi from Nazareth who was raised from the dead and then ascended into heaven. They did not like this rumor because it was undercutting their religious systems. And then they tried to stop it. And then they released them and they all went out and spoke the word again boldly. And they just couldn't stop these early disciples. So they called them back. And this was the charge that they laid against them in Acts 5. They said, we strictly charged you not to teach in his name. And yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. <laughs> that was their charge. You filled our city with the teaching about Jesus. My prayer is that Trinity Church London will play our part in filling London with the teachings of Jesus. The knowledge of the glory of Jesus. That light might shine on our city. That darkness may recede. That joy might be restored into the heart. So dignity might be given. That forgiveness might be received from many, many souls across this city. Because proclamation is happening. The sixth thing is this. We're going to work on our website presence. So at the moment, if you Google in Trinity Church London, we're buried under kind of 100 pages of other things. So we're going to make sure that we are visible and seen this year. And I want to say thank you. We say thank you to Richard and Caleb. Give a round of applause for working on our website. There's going to be podcasts that are going to be up and running, I think, this week. They're up on the website now. We're going to get a calendar up on the website so that everyone can see what's going on at Trinity Church, just events and things like that. We're going to work on that as well. That's the first thing we're going to proclaim. And the second thing is this. We are going to pray in 2019. The reason we know this is so important, this gospel of seeing Jesus Christ, is because the one thing that Satan, we're told, the God of this world, wants to stop is the seeing of Jesus, the glory of Jesus. The one thing that Satan wants to do is not just harm us. Actually, Satan would use pleasure or pain, whatever it takes, that we might not see the glory of who God is. Satan wanted to keep me bound up in those moments, unable to see why the preacher was excited. That's what he wants to do. And then we're told at the end of this passage that the one who shines light into our mind so that we actually see this path before us and we see the glory, what our souls are made for, the one who does that is God. It says in verse 6, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So he references back to Genesis 1. says that same creative power in establishing the universe all that we see around us in the cosmos, the same power that was exercised then, God exercises that in a human soul so that they may also have light to see the glory of God. And God does that. And here's like the crushing and liberating truth, both at the same time. For all the proclamation that we can do, people will never see the glory of God. Sometimes you might have shared the gospel with a friend and you're like absolutely fizzing with excitement you're like busting for them to see this and they're like oh, that's that's lovely for you and uh, I, I hope church goes really well and you're like no you don't get it god is so glorious in all of his splendor and perfection and yet what has happened is it's like we're walking through this spiritual wilderness, this desert, and, and Satan has got this blindfold around us. And there is this great oasis just 50 yards to their right. And there's mangoes and sweet, crystal clear water. And yet they can't see it because they're blinded. And so what we need to do is proclaim and pray. We share the words from scripture about Jesus. And at the same time, 
we're praying that the Lord would anoint those words by his Holy Spirit so that life might be created and light shone into hearts, that people might see this glory of God that we see. And so believing is simply seeing and saying, you've told me about this Jesus, but now I, I, I get what you're talking about. I believe as well, because as soon as you see the glory, there is nothing but believing. I see it. I understand now. I get why you're so excited. And oddly enough, I've become one of those cheesy Christians who put their hands in the air now because I see it. You are glorious, God, in all of your splendor. So we are proclaiming and praying in 2019. And here's the good news for us. God loves to display his power through class of jars of clay or class of J, whichever one you want. I'll just read Bible to get me through this bit. 2 Corinthians and in verse 7, but we have this treasure, the gospel, the good news, the glory of God in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So God isn't frustrated that he didn't get a slightly better team together thinking, oh man, if I'd had some celebrities on board, if I had some super wealthy people, then we really could have done some business. Actually, God loves it when there is a sense of inadequacy because in jars of clay... He gets an opportunity to display the fact that he is the one who has surpassing power and that he is the one who plants a church. He is the one who saves souls. He is the one who sees people saved and baptized. And in that way, he is glorified. Amen. So I would suggest that 2019 is not a year that's going to be like hard graft because like, gosh, you know, we're just small in number and financially we've got to have a breakthrough there and all these things. How are we going to make it through? Actually, we are, our backs aren't against the wall this year. I want to suggest that 2019, this is the year where God wants to display his surpassing power because we feel like jars of clay. Because Trinity, because we're young and we think, God, there's so much that needs to be accomplished. We can't do this on our own. And we look to God and God loves through church plants like us to display his surpassing power. So I want to suggest that 20, 2019 is a year of God's power for us. I believe this is the year of the Lord's favour for us as Trinity Church London. I believe that today is the day of salvation. I believe that in jars of clay, like you and me, God loves to demonstrate his surpassing power. Therefore, we should be very confident as we go into this year and expectant of what God is going to do. We are just the kind of community that God would love to use. Don't you want to be part of a community like that? Yeah. So let me just share some things that we're praying for. As As a team, we are praying for 10 people to be baptized in 2019. 10 people. We've got Joel, that's one. We've got nine people to be baptised this year. I can't do the finger thing. Nine years, nine people. I am also praying that we would establish two more community groups in zones one and two. At the moment, I'm part of, let me say, the best community group. That means in King's Cross and Fulham. Yeah, no, no, it's the best group. But I believe we have the opportunity to establish a group in Pimlico, Potentially one in South West London and then one maybe in North London. We even had someone, Marjan, it's our first person in North London. I've been praying, maybe 2019, maybe in years to come, that we would have people come to Trinity from every tube line. Yeah. Every tube line would be used to get mm-hmm. to Trinity Church London. Every artery, as it were, of London would be used pumping people to Trinity Church London and then pump people out as missionaries to share this light. I'm praying that we would be so international in our reach. The regions beyond would be gathered in the double tree or wherever we might be down the line. 
and we would look around and just be amazed. There'd be a community of Iranians with us, um, a community of Egyptians with us, a community of Burundians with us. Wouldn't it be amazing to be proclaiming the gospel of Christ and helping alleviate poverty in Burundi while baptizing Burundians here as well? So this beautiful joined up world that we live with, that out of Trinity Church London, we might blossom a tree where all the birds of the field, you say, would gather said, this is where I want to find resting place in my soul. This is now family for me. That's what, is, that's what I'm praying for. God would do that in 2019 for us. So how are we going to respond? Two things, and I'm going to talk about finance. Um, I was going to talk about finance at the beginning, but we're now at the end of the message, so I'll have to do it now. Firstly, if you're not a Christ follower here, I want to make an invitation to you today. If you, want to, if you want to say, I don't think I know the glory of Christ as you're describing, but I would like to see the glory of Christ, I'm going to just give an opportunity for you to say yes to Jesus today. And I don't know where you're at. One of the things, one of the passions of my heart is that we're a community that hosts people from all sorts of faiths, and no faith, and uncertain faith, and questioning. So that every Sunday we would have people who are just investigating this Jesus. And you might be here already, just like sitting quizzically in your mind, thinking like, this is a strange bunch, I'm not sure about this message, but there might just be something in your heart right now saying, yes, I want to see this glory. And so before I go any further, I'm literally going to ask us just to stop and pray, to close our eyes, and just pray. I want to pray, I'm going to just do this, I'm going to just Pray a prayer of giving my heart to Jesus. And if you would like to do this, and there's no pressure in this moment, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand in the choir just to say, I would like to see your glory, Jesus, and allow faith to rise. If you know up to this point, you've just never done that. Never been that moment. So Father, I want to say thank you for giving us Jesus. Thank you that the gospel is simple and yet cosmically powerful in its scope and glory. And I pray even right now, Lord, you would move in hearts. Lord, that there would be some here who would give their sin and their life to Jesus and receive fresh sight to see your glory. That's what I pray for. And just as our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, I'm just going to invite you, if you want to say yes to Jesus, and you just say, all, all it might be, you might have questions still, I would like to see the glory of God. Just to raise your hand at just this moment now. It's a bold thing to do, I know, but I'm just going to give you the opportunity because I feel it's not right. It's going to wait for a second. I'm going to say thank you to the one person who's raised their hand. Can we just give them a round of applause for a moment? I'm not going to embarrass you in this moment, but I'm just going to pray. Father, thank you. And I pray that you would flood their soul with such light and joy as they begin to walk with you in these days. I pray that they might see the glory of Christ. In your name, Lord. Amen. That's the first thing. And if you're not here, if you're here and you're still uncertain, you just go away and pray. Just see God. The second thing is, if you're a follower of Christ, I would like to charge you as a missionary in London. And I want to read these words over you in just a moment. Because Paul, recounting the moment where he was called to Jesus, he recounts these words from Jesus to himself 
And Jesus says to Paul, but rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant to open their eyes so that you may turn from darkness and that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And I would like to commission us in 2019 to be those who proclaim and pray just like Paul so that we might see the fruit that Paul saw in his day and age. And so in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to stand if you would like to be commissioned in this way. And it is an if. Because I don't want to just go through the road. Does that make sense? Like, oh, this is what we do now and everyone stands. Um, I just want to invite you. And if you are not in that place, you feel no pressure just to sit and watch. But if you are saying, yes, I would like to be commissioned to proclaim and pray so that we might see the Lord's favour in 2019, I'm going to you to stand in just a moment. And then what we're going to do, we're going to worship. I'm also going to bring down the basket down the front. So we haven't taken up our, our morning's collection. Like I said, I was going to share this at the beginning, but I'll share it now. Um, if you don't yet give to Trinity Church London, I would like to invite you to give as part of this commissioning. Because our money really tells us where our heart is, doesn't it? And for those of you who are already giving, just to consider whether you can up your giving slightly. Even by a pound, just to say, I'm doing it, Lord. I'm working with you, Lord. Because here's our situation as a church plant in 2019. Currently, every month, we spend around £4,000 more than we receive in income. So £4,000 is the gap between our income and our outgoings. And that outgoings is salaries, it's venues, it's supplies, it's everything that's required to function as a church. So I am praying, and the trustees are definitely praying, that by the end of this year, there is no gap. Is that a good goal? That we can pray through our giving as a church and as we grow and flourish, that we can stop that gap And then we can be increasingly generous to those outside of us to give away to other church plants and other works of God and works in Burundi, etc., etc. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing to say? In our first full year, we are already breaking even. You talk to people who are planting church in central London, they always raise their eyebrows and ask about finances almost first. Where are you meeting and how are you making it work financially? Because it's tough. So I'm going to put this down the front as just a way of responding after we stand and we're going to worship and as we worship and sing if you want to give your weekly collection we're going to do it in the basket down the front and there's a standing order form and there's a gift aid form that if you're a taxpayer and you haven't yet signed the gift aid declaration we can get 20% back from the government just for signing a piece of paper so it's a very worthwhile thing to do so we're going to respond to God is that alright? great Daniel good I want to read these words in just a moment can I invite the band back up? And we're going to set our hearts before God. Can I, can I tell you something else I'm praying for? Just because I'm here. <laughs> and I've got the microphone. I'm praying for a really buzzing students and young professionals group. Because the age in central London is very young. And it's cool to see some students and young professionals with us growing. There's a growing group up. I'm praying that a gang would develop, you know, like a good gang, a gang for Jesus. I don't want to carry any guns or getting us into trouble, but 
Um, <coughs> a flourishing, pumping group here that just love Jesus, love each other, have a whole bunch of fun in central London. Um, and that'd be cool to be at the end of the year to have just the vibrancy of students and young professionals with us. I'm praying God will do it through us. But let me ask, you've heard the words, if you would like to be commissioned, and you say, I thought I want to speak for you. Lord, I want to pray with such fruit that my life would bear fruit wherever I go. I want to be part of building and establishing a church that will bring you glory. If you want to be a part of that, I'm going to invite you to stand right now. You can stand up on your feet. And I want to read these words over you. These are from Jesus. Rise and stand upon your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant. To open their eyes. That's your friends, your colleagues, acquaintances, even some people you may just pass in the street or in a shop. So that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place amongst those who are sanctified by faith in me. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, I say thank you for everyone who stood in this moment and I pray for your Holy Spirit to fill them, Lord. Yeah, please, Lord. Thank you for your grace and your favour. Thank you that there is an equipping, that we don't have to be adequate, that we are jars of clay. Lord, I freely admit I'm just a jar of clay. I'm so glad you use people like me. I'm so glad you use churches like us together. And Lord, would 2019 be a year of your favour? Please, Lord. Where there are many baptisms, Lord, because people come to faith and find you. Spiritual poverty is alleviated. Spiritual blindness is healed so that people see. Forgiveness is received. Shame is washed away. Healing and lowliness is washed away. Come on, Lord. Justification is received. Condemnation is taken away from souls. I pray for lonely people in this city. They would find friendship and more than that, family as they're adopted into this family through Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, you would do that and many other things besides. Pray for physical healing, Lord, for those who are in pain. Lord, you would do remarkable things in our midst. Ask all of this for the glory of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord.